Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes, and today we're going to continue our walk through the book of 1 Peter. I took about a week off uh, during the holiday season uh, with Christmas and New Year's, and we were out of town. And so now we've come back to the new year, and we're just continuing and trying to be faithful to keep going through books of the Bible verse by verse. So we left off in verse number 12. And then that brings us in chapter 2, verse number 13. And Peter begins to talk about submission in a general way. He begins with talking about submission to the government. And then he talks about uh, submission and suffering uh, in the workplace. Uh, And then he goes on in chapter 3 and talks about submission of wives to husbands and husbands to the Lord. So... We want to deal with each of one of these one at a time to give them their due uh, attention. And so we're going to look at verses 13 through 17 um, that deals with God and government. I preached this message this past Sunday under the title God and Government. And so let me read it to you and then we'll begin to take it apart. It says, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Government, in as much as a frustrating thing as it can be, and nobody knows better than me, I did uh, three and a half years in the military, so I I fully understand how frustrating government can be. Um, It is ordained of God to restrain evil and to reward righteousness. However, unfortunately in our day, uh, this has turned on its head. We live under a government here in America that rewards evil and punishes righteousness. Uh, Our government says that it's okay uh, for sexual deviance to flare their deviancy in the faces of children. Our go- not only do they say it's okay, but they support it. Um, our government says it's okay to slaughter a child in the mother's womb, the most safest place there should be. Our government says it's not okay to operate your own personal business on Christian values. Our government says it's not okay for the Christian to oppose uh, wickedness. And so we we live in a topsy-turvy world, but as part of God's original design, government was ordained and given the power of the sword, the use gladi, to reward righteousness and to punish wickedness. Nevertheless, we keep going. There, however, even if the government gets this wrong, does that mean that we are simply to jump into anarchy and be done with the whole thing? Absolutely not. 
However, it does mean that there are times we are to submit to the government, yet at the same time we are to always submit to God, especially when the government asks us to do something that violates God's law. Case in point, shutting down churches for months on end, but allowing bars, strip clubs, and movie theaters to remain open in the name of public health. I can't think of a more Orwellian Nazi Germany uh, style system of government that would have you to believe, according to science, and, and, and by the way, if you bought into that, I've got some oceanfront property in Arizona I'd like to sell you as the uh, great country theologian George Strait saying, but to buy into the idiocracy that a bar is safe from a disease, but a church will kill you from a disease. Now, I, I'm going to be honest with you. That's about the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That's not science. That's insanity. But we saw that happen. Now, what was the church supposed to do? Well, according to the word of God, we're submitting to God. God says, not forsaken the assembling of yourselves together. Um, the early church met under the threat of death uh, and yet continued to meet in secret. So I, I don't want to get into all that, but I'm just simply saying that... Um, there are times when we are to practice civil disobedience um, if the government pushes us to do something that God forbids or pushes us to not do something that God commands. Yes, we are to be uh, civil, good civil uh, people, but it's God's law first, then government. So we'll see that as we go through this. Now, we we need to also realize that government, by definition, in Peter's day was radically different than ours. Um, secondly, submitting to the government presupposes a government that is righteous. So what happens when it isn't? And third, as we approach the end of the last days, we know that the government of this world will be the very tool the Antichrist uses to set up his one world system. So let me say this on the onset. This is a complicated matter, and we need to be careful and do our best to keep our biases and agendas out of, out of it as much as humanly possible. But I think the best way to understand this passage is, first of all, in context. Okay, Peter lived under a monarchy. Uh, really a dictatorship. Uh, the, the emperor of Rome uh, was, yes, he was king. It was a monarchy, but he, he did as he pleases. Um, we live, or uh, supposed to live, I should say, uh, under a constitutional republic, even though that, that in and of itself has for years been turning into uh, dictatorship. But... Also, uh, by way of executive order. But so we need to look at this and understand the context is different. Uh, it's very, very much different. Peter didn't have the right to vote. We do. Um, you know, they, they, there's just Peter was not a citizen of Rome, uh, but he lived under Roman rule. We are citizens, we have rights and privileges, etc. So we have to understand the context is different, and we don't need to take this. Um, and just, excuse me, and write it off um, across the board 
as uh, as as you know something hard and fast rule. So let's we're going to look at it from two ways. First of all, we're going to look at it the responsibility of believers, and then we're going to look at the responsibility of the government. And I think that's just the easiest way to do it. What are we supposed to do? And what are they supposed to do? And I think that'll help us understand the passage. So first of all, uh, we see the responsibility of believers is to obey the government unless. Please don't miss this. This requires disobeying God. So Peter writes, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors. Now immediately we have a problem. We don't have a king. We live in or are supposed to live in a constitutional republic. Vastly different than a monarchy, especially an ancient Roman monarchy. We have rights, privileges, we have states, we have congressmen, governors, mayors, counselors, etc., etc. Radically different. So, to suggest that everything Peter is saying applies directly to us in the same way it applied to the people he originally wrote it to it is just illogical. Um, all, you know, all of the Bible was written for us, but not all of the Bible was written to us. Let me give you kind of a silly example. Jesus said, if your ox is in a ditch, get it out. Well, I don't have an ox or a ditch. <laughs> you know, I, I understand the principle applies to everybody. You know, if you've got a problem, even on the Sabbath day, you need to take care of it. But I, I'm just simply using that silly illustration to show you that you, you can't take uh, something that Peter discusses about government and, and force it onto our society because we we don't have a king. Um Peter couldn't vote. We can. I mean, they're, 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 the principles are universal, but the hard and fast rule, you, you have to be careful when you do that because you're stretching it out of context. Um, now, nevertheless, uh, Christians are to be law-abiding citizens. That That is the principle here, that we should obey the law. If the law says don't speed and wear your seatbelt, then we should not speed and wear our seatbelt. If the law says don't run a stop sign, we should not run a stop sign. If the law says pay your taxes, we should pay our taxes. Now, fortunately, we have the ability, or so we're told, to vote and send guys and gals up there that might change some of the things we don't like. And sometimes they do, but most of the time they don't. Uh, I don't care what party it is, 99 out of 100 politicians, whether it's Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Independent, or whatever, the minute they get up there, they they completely go back on everything they said they would do. I mean, that's just the nature. They're crooks. I mean, I, you know, I heard an old man tell me one time, you know how to tell if a politician's lying? I said, no. He said, if their mouth is moving. I mean, ain't that the truth sometimes? But anyways, the point is, we're to be law-abiding citizens. Um, I don't like every law our government passes. I don't like most of them. Uh, I don't like the idea that I have to buy a piece of paper that says I can fish. Uh, fishing is, is inherent. I mean, you have a right to feed your family. That's given to you by God. And if you choose to go fishing, catch a fish, clean a fish, and cook a fish, that's none of the government's business. I think that's insanity. But I am supposed to obey the law. So guess what? 
I buy a fishing license because that doesn't buying a fishing license doesn't violate scripture. But there is a time when we are to disobey the government uh, when they ask us to disobey the word of God. Now, you say, well, Peter doesn't explicitly say that there. Oh, doesn't he? Peter is writing to Christians living under Neronian persecution, the persecution of Nero, that is. And them taking this letter and sharing it with each other was illegal. Him writing this letter and, and propagating Christianity was illegal. So he's writing a legal letter to tell them to obey uh, the government. So think about this. Just by virtue of him doing ministry, he's showing that there's a time and a place to disobey the government. So that's that's really uh, when somebody would say something like that, that, well, you know, you, you should always obey the government. They, they really, it shows several things. Number one, they've never read the majority of scripture. Number two, they don't understand context or the setting of which Peter wrote this. And number three, that person is not thinking very critically um, because anybody who would read this in context and read the whole of scripture would never come to that conclusion. Uh, and so that's really just a very ignorant statement and that's putting it lightly to say that we're just always supposed to do whatever the government tells us. So let me ask you a question. If the government told you to kill your family, would you kill your family? I mean, of course not. That's that's stupidity. Um, so anyways, um, now, but then that brings the question, you know, do we see this today? Sure you do. Look in China. Um, Christ, Christianity is illegal. You can have a state-sponsored church and a state-sponsored Bible where they go through and cut out all the things they don't like, and you can't preach from this text or that text. I mean, but that that's not freedom of religion. That's persecution. But if you have a free church and you teach the Word of God in its entirety, you'll go to jail. Pastor Wayne Gee uh, a couple years back, uh, was taken to prison. And we know how most communist countries work. Uh, we'll probably never hear from him again. Uh, and he will probably die a martyr's death. But so are you going to tell me that those Christians in China, they need to quit worshiping Jesus because the government said no? Of course not. Well, again, what a stupid statement. What about in the Middle East? We're converting to Christianity is illegal. So are you going to tell me we're always supposed to obey the government that those people should not get saved because they need to obey the government? So they should go to hell so they have to obey the government. I mean, again, please see the stupidity of the argument that says we're always supposed to do whatever the government tells us. That is insanity. By that logic, Germans in Nazi Germany who hid Jews were disobeying God. I mean, think, I just, I don't even want to spend any more time on that because it's so stupid to even think that way. But anyways, we're going to move on. Now, you say, well, Pastor, that's fine, but is there biblical precedent? Absolutely. In the Old Testament, Pharaoh ordered the Hebrew midwives to kill children. However, they disobeyed because the book of Exodus says they feared God. So let me ask you a question. Did they sin? 
Absolutely not. Because when we have to choose between obeying God or obeying the government, we always are supposed to obey God. For to disobey God is sin. This really isn't as complicated as you might think. Let me read you the example I've just given. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shiprah and the name of the other one was Puah. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on their birthstools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. So the government ordered God's people to kill the babies. Well, murder is a sin. God's law says thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. So who are they supposed to obey? God's law? Or the government's law. God's law. Because the government's law would have caused them to disobey God's law. Now, perhaps, and I like to build my sermons as arguments. So maybe you're sitting there saying, well, Pastor, you know, that's Old Testament. That's my favorite argument uh, that people give you when they when the Bible contradicts what they want. They'll say, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, okay, let's look at the New Testament. Acts chapter 4 tells us the apostles were commanded not to preach the gospel in Jesus' name anymore by the Jewish religious authorities, who I remind you had legal authority to an extent uh, over their own, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, over their own things, the the uh, issues of the Jewish people, I guess. I don't know why I'm running out of words today. They were the government. Well, what did the disciples do? Well... So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so when they threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God. Now fast forward to Acts chapter 5. We find out exactly what the apostles did. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And so we know that they continued preaching against the government's command. Now this is the same Peter who disobeyed the government is now telling us to obey the government. So is Peter contradicting himself? Not at all. He is relaying the principle. We do obey the government unless they ask us to disobey God. Now there's a little bit more to this. Why? Is it our responsibility to obey the government unless it requires disobeying God? Why can't we just do what we want since the government's not God? Well, the answer is found in verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You see, because in this context, Nero, who was persecuting the Christians, he was doing all sorts of vices and crimes himself and then blaming it on the Christians. For example, he lit Rome on fire and then blamed the Christians. And so he was doing what Hitler did in uh, in Germany. He was creating a uh, societal enemy to the people, uh, to his constituents and the people of the Christians. So, for example, Hitler convinced Germany that the Jews were their problem. That, that all this bad stuff in Germany was happening because of the Jews. Well, that's what Nero did in Rome. He convinced the Romans, well, the reason we have all these problems is because of those doggone Christians. And so Peter says, but when we obey, when we practice good uh, citizenship, it puts to silence 
those ignorant accusers. It, it, it gives us a good testimony. Okay? But as bond servants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So it is God's will for us to be law-abiding citizens. It also serves to silence the unbelievers who constantly ridicule and persecute Christians. It shows that we are not troublemakers, that they are. And so our first responsibility is always to God. That's why it says fear God, then honor the king. It does not matter what the government says, we will not disobey God. Our first responsibility is always to God. That's why we will not stop sharing the gospel. We will not close our churches. We will not perform marriages that God says is an abomination, no matter what the government says, because Christ is the head of the church, not Caesar. Once you step into the realm of the church, the body of Christ, the government has no authority here. Our only authority, our only king, is King Jesus. So the application is not that difficult. You obey the government unless what they're asking you to do goes against Scripture. That's it. It's not rocket science. Now, finally, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, the responsibility of the government, okay, we've talked about what believers are supposed to do. What is the government supposed to do? Well, as to those who are sent by him, I'm in verse 14, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. The government's responsibility is to protect the innocent by punishing those who inflict harm upon doing, upon others. In doing so, law and order and a civil society is maintained. The government is meant to have the sword for the purpose of punishing evil. However, you and I live in the days the Bible speaks of when that which is evil is called good and that which is good is called evil. God help us. I've already noted our government promotes all sorts of evil, from child murder to sexual deviancy, etc., etc. In fact, with the recent bill, the so-called respect for marriage, which should be called the disrespect for marriage, it codifies same-sex um, marriages. And so what's going to happen is, is, is eventually they're going to come after the church uh, and and we're going to lose our tax exempt status, and and or worse yet, I, I think they'll be putting us in jail before too long. But you say, well, you're just being an extreme. Well, I'm just telling you, go read the bill if you don't think it's as bad as I'm making it out to be. However, as I've said, we have an option that Peter didn't have. We can vote, and so we should do so. We should vote uh, for those who promote freedom and liberty. So the government's the responsibility of the government is to punish evil and reward righteous, and so that's why as a Christian we we uh, we support uh, law and order. I, I support the police. Um, I think that if you uh, rob somebody by force with with a firearm, you know what we call violent crime, you ought to go to jail. Absolutely. Um, if you assault somebody, you ought to be held responsible. Uh, if if you murder somebody, you ought to be put to death. Uh, the Bible says if a man sh sheds another man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. That's I mean, that's just straight out. Um, we, we support those things. That's the government's job. Uh, and if they're not doing it, it's the church's job to stand up and to say something. 
and so keep these things in mind. But anyways, that's the role of God and government and how it mixed together. Again, it's, it, it is a complicated matter in a sense, but in another sense, it's really not. It's pretty straightforward. I hope you'll keep studying the book of First Peter as we continue through it, and may God bless you.